0: Welcome again. It is good to see you this morning. Things are going to be a little different for us today. Uh, We talked about technology. We are having some trouble with our sound equipment, and we usually have a little more of a blended service than that. And I was really excited because we were going to sing the theme song from the International Missionary Retreat uh, from last year, um, fighting for us, and that is... uh, Brendan, I have trouble singing that song without tears just because of what happened at the retreat last year. It's a it's a sweet song for us, and I'll miss that. We'll have a little more music next year. Listen, we're doing a series entitled Lead Me to the Cross. And I had shared with you the story um, that gave me that title because looking at the gospel of john and as we're approaching the season of easter i'll be preaching about the cross in uh two more weeks and leading up to that time especially reading in the gospel of john the last 24 hours of the life of christ are recorded in about chapters 13 through 19. It's amazing that that huge portion of the Gospel of John is dedicated to the last day, the last 24 hours of, of Christ. Now, it's very true, though, that from the moment he was born, every step he took was leading him to the cross. The story that gave me the title, I know there's a popular song right now, uh, a Christian, contemporary Christian song lead me to the cross and I I love the song but the story that I heard 40 years ago yes I'm I'm that old uh, was of the young man who was lost on the streets of London he had grown up under the shadow of the steeple of a local church a well-known church but he had wandered just a little too far from home and when a man found him wandering lost and tried to help him find home. He didn't know his address. He, he had no idea how to find home. The man began to describe different landmarks, and he mentioned the church. And, he, and he, the little boy said, Is that the church with the big steeple and the cross? And the man said, Yes, that, that's the one. And the little boy said, Lead me to the cross. I can get home from there. That story has stayed with me many years. Lead me to the cross, I can get home from there. And I believe with all my heart that that's true today. If we can lead people to the cross of Jesus Christ, that will guarantee that they will make it home to heaven. It is the cross and the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that brings salvation when one hears the word receives the word receives the god of the word and the son of god jesus christ by faith that is what salvation is all about lead me to the cross i can get home from there now we having looked at chapters 14 15 16 we're at john chapter 17 today john chapter 17 even even from the end of chapter 15 all the way to verse 18 it's a little strange there's been some argument about where that took place in fact i was in a biblical trivial pursuit uh at a at a church meeting one time men's meeting couples fellowship i think it was anyway the the question came up where was it That Jesus said, and I answered correctly, but the book they were going by said it was during his high priestly prayer. Well, that sounds real good, except where was he when he did that? If you read the scripture, you find um, we talked months ago about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We talked about then his command for Christians to love one another. We talked about what happened there at the last Passover and the first Lord's Supper. In chapter 15, verse 31, Jesus says, Arise, let us go from here. But the trouble is, we don't know where they went. Because it says in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, that then they went out and crossed over the Brook Kidron. Well, Jay, where were they in the meantime? Uh, we're, we will be leaving here going into the lobby where we have put up our temporary baptistry and we'll go out from here. We will arise and go from here and we'll stand in the lobby. Aaron's going to have us sing a song and we'll have a baptism service. Maybe that's the way it was. They stood from supper and they went into the lobby or stood in front of the building And all of chapter 16 and all of chapter 17 take place wherever it is they went. And we're not sure where that is. But something really unusual happened in John chapter 17 that is not recorded anywhere else. It says that when Jesus had spoken these things, these words... He lifted up his eyes to heaven, that means in prayer, and said, Father, the hour has come. Now, the rest of his prayer would require me to read all 26 verses of chapter 17. If I'd realized how short the song service was going to be, John, I would have read the whole chapter. But that's all right. You get the benefit of a shorter sermon because I'm not going to read all of those verses and then go back and preach through 26 verses. But my point to you is, when they stood up from that place where they'd had the supper, they went somewhere. They stood up and they were leaving, but they stopped. Jesus spoke to them, having spoken the parable of the vine, um, and then giving them all the promises that we talked about last week from John chapter 16, he prayed a prayer before in chapter 18 they actually left and went across the Kidron Valley and up to, or to the Garden of Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives. So, so that gives you an idea of where they are, but what I want you to concentrate on is the prayer that Jesus spoke. You see, Jesus' personal prayer on the way to the cross was a prayer of praying for other people. Despite the fact that He was facing terrible suffering and shame, the death on a cross where He died, He suffered for your sins and for mine. It was a terrible experience, and he knew exactly what was going to happen. Despite that, despite the circumstances around him, despite what he knew was coming, Judas Iscariot at that moment had already gone to betray him. He had agreed to betray him beforehand, and he was going to be paid, and he would lead the soldiers to arrest Jesus. Jesus knew that was coming there was his agony in the garden where the knowledge that the sins of the world would be placed on him just about broke his heart he prayed in the garden by the way that's not recorded in the gospel of John it's recorded in the synoptic gospels but he knew it was coming he knew that Peter would betray him Now the prophecy of that betrayal comes after chapter 17. But he he knew that Peter would betray him. Knowing about the arrest, knowing about the agony of Gethsemane, knowing about the betrayal, knowing that all the disciples would forsake him and run away, instead of feeling sorry for himself, his heart and his mind where on others that there's a word that that i've had to learn during my counseling training altruism that's that's not a commonly i can't remember scott the last time i used altruism in a sentence you know but but it's an important concept altruism roger is that you're thinking about somebody else you consider them valuable and you're thinking about them rather than thinking about yourself. Jesus exhibited altruism. He set an example for us that in the midst of trouble, in, in the midst of bad circumstances, facing even sickness and disease, even death, we should think about others rather than thinking about ourselves. Do You know... One of the things I've learned about dealing with depression is that if you can get the person who is depressed to think about others instead of themselves, they will feel better and they will get better thinking about others instead of thinking about yourselves. One, I'm not going to be political, okay, and I'm not going to play doctor or scientist. We've got one of our doctors with us i'm certainly not going to do that i'm here as a theologian as a, and as a pastor but i will tell you that one of the things that really worries me about our current current circumstances is that we're being encouraged to think just about ourselves and the danger is that we will hide out because we've been encouraged to seclude ourselves and that we will hide out, and that we'll have neighbors who need help. We will meet people along the way who need encouragement. I praise God for Paul that I met yesterday at the Kroger gas station. He, he walked over, Sarah, and gave me a, a, a paper towel. He said, here, you're supposed to hold the gas nozzle with this, okay? Thanks a lot, except I'd already pulled the gas nozzle off the pump, you know? And... But we had a great conversation. He, he's a member of another Baptist church across the hill and, and just speaking encouraging words to one another. The gas stations are still open. The pharmacies are still open. The grocery stores are still open because all of that is considered essential. Uh, there's some other things that are essential too and we need to remember that. But let's think of each other. Let's don't be so overcome with fear that we're always thinking about ourselves and we're looking at everybody else with suspicion. Do they have it? Have they been contaminated? Are they going to breathe on me? What if they sneeze? And we're we're afraid of each other. That's dangerous. That's dangerous for our nation It's dangerous for our city. Am I advocating that we tear down all of these precautions? No, I specifically ask you to sit together. I mean, Jay, you've already been exposed to those people, right? So uh, it's too late now, brother. Um, Sit together as families, but spread out from, you know, one family from another. Am I suggesting we do away with, with all of that? Absolutely not. I'm just saying the example that Christ set for us is that we're always to be thinking more about others than we're thinking about ourselves. So what was he thinking? Did you ever think about this? How would I spend, if I knew, Sarah, that I only had 24 hours to live, how would I spend that 24 hours? And he is, of course, going to lose a bunch of those hours um on the cross and so johnny's time is short indeed how will he spend those hours you realize when he is praying this prayer he has only a couple of hours a few hours left before his arrest and he spent that time in prayer on the way to the cross what was he thinking What would He pray for? What would your prayer be? Well, for one thing, on the way to the cross, His Father, God the Father, was on His mind. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. First of all, I noticed that He wanted to glorify His Father. He said in chapter 4, that did not get changed. Hmm. Okay, so let me get to the proper verse. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. The hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. His entire purpose was to glorify the Father. That's why He came. That was his greatest desire to glorify the Father. That was His purpose in life. We need to have as our greatest desire to glorify our Heavenly Father. That everything we do, every choice we make glorifies Him. One Of my favorite movie quotes, I'm just a little bit of a movie buff, but one of my favorite movies is Chariots of Fire. It is the story about Eric Little. I think one reason that I like it, Eric Little was a missionary kid, and he was also a runner. Uh, I at one time considered, I fancied myself a runner. He was a runner. He was fast, and he was an Olympic He was a member of the the British Olympic team. But he refused. He was given one of the meets, one of the trials, to run on Sunday. And it was his conscience. I, I might not have made the same decision, but by his conscience, he did not feel that it was right to run on Sunday. The whole British Olympic team tried to convince Eric Little to run that race, that it made no difference. And he would not be persuaded. And so they gave his race to another of the British runners. And they gave him the opportunity of running the 100-yard dash, which was not his race. Or maybe, I, maybe he was running the 100-yard dash and he had to run the 400. Because they said it was too long for him. So that, I got it backwards. He, he was supposed to run the 100-yard dash and instead he's running the 400 yards. And they said he will, he will not make that distance. One of the runners from the U.S. is reported to have handed him a note before his race. And the note said, The Lord declares, For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That promise is still true, my friend. If we will honor God with our lives, with our choices, if we will live to the glory of God, He will lift us up. But just as soon as we decide to live our lives selfishly and for ourselves, He will tear us down. We will be despised. We will be discredited. We have a choice. Glorify God or glorify ourselves? And his example was that he was living to the glory of God. I would encourage you to make that same decision with your life, with your work. Live to the glory of God. I've told you before in previous weeks, Delaney, you can paint to the glory of God. You don't have to be a preacher to live to the glory of God. You can do your occupation. You can do your work to the glory of God. That ought to be our greatest desire, to live for the glory of God. He also rejoiced that he had completed his purpose. Um, And again, those scriptures are backwards, and so I need to go backwards. I apologize. He said, I glorified you on earth, get this, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus came for the purpose, and and he says that in the next couple of verses, he came for the purpose of sharing the name of the Father. He mentions the Word. He came as the Word to share the Word of God so that people would hear, would believe, be saved, He came to give the gift of eternal life. That was His purpose. He was just about, He was facing the cross. Our series is Lead Me to the Cross. He was facing the cross where He would die, and before His death, Shelley, He would say, It is finished it is finished i'm not going to preach the sermon ahead of time but I'll speak to you about that in a couple of weeks what he mean what he meant when he said that but he's he's saying i've done what i came to do i'm about to to pay the final price i have completed the purpose for which i came let me encourage you find god's purpose for your life and fulfill that purpose fulfill your destiny what is it god wants you to do i my young people are really more scattered than they usually are i can usually pick them out and and preach to them specifically now they're scattered all over the room it's a little hard to do that there's so few of us here anyway but listen kids find God's purpose. It's, it's fine to think about what you would enjoy doing. By the way, can I also play Mike Rowe just for a minute and say you better find something that will pay the bills. I've met far too many young people who have degrees, Corey, that they can't make a living with. Um, and so kids, it's fine that you think that you would like to make movies for a living but you may not be Cecil B. DeMille, and your grandparents will have to tell you who that was because you don't have any idea. You may not be Stephen Spielberg. You, you need to find an occupation with which you can make a living, but find one that fulfills the purpose of God in your life. What does God want you to do? What is your purpose for being here? It occurred to me as I was preparing this message, and I sat in my living room with my wife watching, and I wept. When I realized, when I became your interim pastor, I did so very reluctantly, feeling like God had positioned me for this, and I really had no other choice. John, over a period of about two months, God changed my heart totally. And I realized that this is my calling. This is where I belong. I had no idea. None of us knew. Now, Roger, I I confess I expected bad business meetings and all kinds of fights and fussing. And we've had none of that. Praise God. We've had none of that. We have had incredible unity. We've had a revival going on. Amen. And then the coronavirus shows up. I didn't see this coming. But it did not blindside God. He knew. And He put me in the place, an old, a hard-headed, stubborn guy, to hold the fort. Who said amen? Kelly? <laughs> I understand, I realize that God put me in this place at this moment for His pleasure. And it's up to me to pay the price of leadership, to take the hits. And to provide you with both leadership. I told you I would be a strong leader, but a loving shepherd. God put me here for that. That is my purpose. I have to do that. What about you? Why are you where you are doing what you're doing? Find God's purpose and fulfill His purpose for your life i think there's something else going on in that prayer to the father when he said now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that i had with you before the world existed now it would tempt me to wax theological and talk about the pre-existent glory of christ and his eternality we can talk about that in a class someday But it occurred to me, I wanted to be very practical in my preaching with you this morning, not nearly so theological, and it dawned on me, did you ever think about the fact that Jesus got homesick? Wow. Jesus got homesick. He left heaven, and the glory of heaven, the existence with the Father, the Trinity, The glory that He had in heaven before He came to earth, born of a virgin, limited to a fleshly walk for a period of time. He laid so much down and now it's near the end. Lord, it's nearly... Father, it's nearly over. Glorify me now with the glory that I had with You before. We were talking about Songs a while ago, I've got Bill Simmons scheduled, he just doesn't know when, to sing at my funeral. And it's, a, it's not my typical song, because I love contemporary Christian music. But Bill Simmons is scheduled to sing Beulah Land at my funeral. I'm, kind, I'm not going to sing it, believe me. Especially not with this going over the internet. I'm kind of homesick. I'm kind of homesick and I think Jesus at that moment was kind of homesick have you ever been homesick for heaven listen I know I'm going there someday my wife hates it when I talk about this I know I'm going there someday and there are days and there are times that I'm ready to go and that it would be a promotion I know where I'm going, and sometimes I think about what it'll be like to be there. And I think Jesus was kind of homesick. Do you know Do you know where you're going? The minute you take your last breath, where will you be in that instant when that last breath escapes your lips? I'm not just preaching this because of the COVID 19. I'm telling you, you don't know when you're going to die, and I don't either. We talk about those who are old and who are most susceptible to this. Some of us old birds may be burying some of you young people, okay? We're, we're pretty tough. And you don't know. You don't know. Are you ready? Are you ready for heaven? On the way to the cross, His disciples were on His mind. I said His Father was on His mind. On the way to the cross, His disciples were on His mind. That's John 17, 6 through 19. I'm not going to read all that. But when Jesus spoke these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, It occurred to me in reading this, Shelley prayed out loud. Jerry, why would he do that? Did he have to speak aloud? I remember another occasion when, he, when the voice came from heaven. I, I, I spoke about, now is my soul troubled and what shall I say? There came a voice from heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And Jesus said, this voice came for your benefit, not for mine. Why did He pray out loud, Sue? He prayed out loud for the benefit of His disciples. Because, listen to me, parents, you need to hear this. There's something about hearing somebody pray for you out loud. You pray for your kids out loud in their presence. That's powerful. For a kid to hear mom and dad Pray out loud for them. Imagine these 11. Judas is gone. These 11 get to hear Jesus pray out loud for them. He prayed out loud because he was concerned about them. He prayed, first of all, for their protection. He said, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world And I'm coming to you. That is, I'm I'm going to ascend to heaven. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. we're going to talk about that union, that unification later on. But he's praying, keep them. I've been keeping them. While I was here, I kept them, and none was lost except the son of perdition. But now, Father, you keep them. He prayed for their protection. Jesus has prayed for your protection too, by the way. Don't forget that. And pray for each other for protection. I've been praying for you as your pastor, praying that not a single member of of Faith Baptist Church North Little Rock will be tested positive will come down with the coronavirus. I'm sure you don't want that. I think you probably appreciate your pastor praying that for you. Pray that for me. Um we really don't need the pastor of the church disabled and quarantined at at this moment. I will say to you that if we're all quarantined, I will be preaching I started to say with my pajamas, but that um, I will be preaching on Facebook Live from my living room, but I will try to dress decently and not in my pajamas at that time. Pray for my protection. I need that. He, He said, Father, keep them. Before I went to Kenya, somewhere along the way I was overcome by the danger into which I was leading my family because they told me the missionaries in kenya told me don't bring anything to this country that you cannot walk away from i thought and they they meant the family heirlooms your favorite china your you know the things your grandmother gave you don't don't bring anything that you could not walk away from because they'd recently had a coup attempt Sheila, somewhere along the way i realized that included my wife, and that included my children. Roger, I'll be honest with you, I struggled with that. I struggled for several days with that. What am I doing? And, and in my mind, I pictured three graves under an acacia tree in the, in the plains of Africa. But it dawned on me, and I, I fell on my knees before God, and I said, Dear God, if they're depending on me to take care of them, they're already in trouble. I can't do it. Lord, if you're not taking care of them, I certainly can't. And I gave my family to God. I mean that. You have no idea what that moment was like. And I have tried to lend never to take them back again. Listen, if God is not taking care of you, if God is not taking care of your family, who will? Praise God for the medical personnel. Praise God for those who are looking after us. But it is God who is our strength. It is God who is our protector. Depend on God. He prayed for their protection. And he prayed, keep them from the evil one. By the way, in this prayer, he's also dealing with failure because he mentioned the son of perdition. None of them was lost except the son of perdition. And I wonder what they're thinking at this moment. And I wonder what they think later when Judas Iscariot leads the soldiers to arrest him. Didn't take Jesus by surprise. He knew. And he's praying for the eleven who are left. Keep them from the evil one. He prayed for their protection. He also prayed that they might have joy. Now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Don't be so filled with fear and anxiety that you lose the joy that you have in Jesus. You are not alone. He has the power. We talked last week about, I have overcome the world. He wanted us, the whole message last week was moving from sorrow to joy, and He is praying for them that even though He is leaving them, that they will still have joy. So on the way to the cross, in that personal prayer, Jesus Was thinking about the Father. He was thinking, Todd, about his disciples, and he was thinking about you, and he was thinking about me. He said, I do not ask these things for these, I do not ask for these only, but also for those, and some translations say, all those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, successive generations of followers of Christ, Jesus not only prayed for the eleven, he prayed for everyone who would hear the word of God and become a follower of Christ. I believe, Liz, he looked down through the ages and he saw you, and he prayed for you, and he prayed for me. He prayed for our sanctification. He said, sanctify them in the truth. Now, yeah, I know that I backed up a verse and that was his prayer for the disciples. But remember that the next phrase, the very next phrase says, I pray this not only for them, but for all those who will follow me. So this is his prayer for us. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. I set myself apart. That they also may be sanctified in truth. Listen. Our sanctification is why we're still here. The reason we are going through the things we are. We we talked about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. That means spending time with Him, learning to walk with Him. How many times have I said, the purpose of Faith Baptist Church is to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ, to help them grow in faith in Jesus Christ, so that they walk by faith every day of their lives. That growing in faith and learning to walk with Jesus And therefore, becoming more like Jesus is what we talk about as sanctification. Sanctification means being refined, being made pure. God has not taken us out of the world. He specifically said He's not going to take us out of the world. And He's not going to take us out of the world because having you in the world glorifies Him. But it also refines you. I said I'm a bit of a movie buff. If you have not yet seen the the movie, I still believe, the story of Jeremy Camp and his young wife, who I, I hate to tell you the end of the story, but all you have to do is read the news, you'll know that she dies of cancer. But during that journey, she told him, Suffering does not destroy faith. It refines it. We need that message. We need that message today that the trial of the coronavirus, every trial we go through, whatever you're facing, whether it is cancer as she faced, whether it is the loss of a loved one, no matter what the trial is, the suffering that is involved is not to destroy your faith. It is to refine it and make it more pure. That's called sanctification. He prayed for our sanctification. He also prayed for our unification with the Father and with Him. He said that they may all be one Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Our unification. Our unification is with God the Father and with Christ the Son. When my friend that our church has been praying for for 20 plus years bowed his head in my office this week, and prayed, and confessed Christ, he was joined to Jesus. He was joined with the Father. There was a unification there. By the way, he's coming to be united with the church through baptism and then being fellowshiped into the church. He was going to come this morning, and their daughter has health issues, and They're afraid to be here right now. But he said, Preacher, I'm not backing out. I'm just waiting a little longer. But I'm coming. Unification. Have you had that unification? Have you come to Christ? Are you one with Jesus? Being one with Jesus means being one with the Father. And and that unification with the Father and with the Son communicates the love of Christ. I heard the boop. That means that it's not going... You may have to do it for me, Walter. That communicates the love of Christ so that the world may know that You sent Me and loved them even as You loved Me. Being unified with Jesus means being unified with the Father And we communicate through that, because of that, we communicate the love of God. It also promises us heaven with Him. Father, I love this. Jesus prayed that everyone would make it to heaven with Him. And He was praying for you and He was praying for me. Father, I desire that they also, that is all that have, Heard the word and believed all that will be the succeeding generations of those disciples. I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. He's praying heaven for you. This is eternal life. That they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, I noticed something as I was reading through this entire chapter. Now Joyce, I didn't, I didn't read all 26 verses. Maybe you need to, but I want, you, I want to show you something that's in this passage that thrills me. Jesus prayed for you. Teresa, he prayed that you would hear his word. That the word, word, word occurs six times in John chapter 17. Imagine that. Talking about His word, the word of God. God wants you to hear His word, believe His name. The word name appears four times in John chapter 17. Oh, listen to me. Don't miss the fact that the name of Jesus is powerful. The name of God is a name above every name. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He wants you to hear His Word and He wants you to confess His name and receive the gift of eternal life, the term eternal life occurs twice in this passage of Scripture in John chapter 17. He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to have life. Have you heard His Word? Have you heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you received the Word? Have you received Jesus Christ?